Hi and welcome to our daily devotional podcast. Before I begin the devotion, I would like to sing a song to you. It's called My Peace I Give Unto You. And the second verse is My Love I Give Unto You. Receiving God's peace in our hearts is so important every day. And this is what Jesus has promised us, that he will give his peace to us. When we have the peace of Christ inside us, then we are not so easily flustered when things don't go our way, when people disagree with us or even oppose us, when the day seems to be falling apart, when we have the peace of Christ in us. We still have the assurance that God watches over us and that God loves us very much. And so as I sing this song, I ask that you sing along, but after that I'll lead you in a time of meditation as you still as we still our hearts and ask for the peace of Christ to come to us. My peace I give unto you. It's a peace that the world cannot give. It's a peace that the world cannot understand. Peace to know, peace to live. My peace I give unto you. My love I give unto you. It's a love that the world cannot give. It's a love that the world cannot understand. Love to know, my love to live, my love I give unto you. My peace again. My peace I give unto you. It's the peace that the world cannot give. It's a peace that the world cannot understand. Peace to know. My peace to I give unto you. Let us now close our eyes, be silent before the Lord. Know that God has promised peace to us, and we receive this peace. Now let me guide you in a short time of meditation. Is your heart troubled? Are you agitated? Are there things that you are worried about? Is there a hunger or an emptiness within you? Ask the Lord 
for peace that will come to us. Let's turn our hands upward in receiving from Christ, from Jesus, the peace that he promises us. Lord Jesus, there are many things that bother us. The day's problems, conflicts that may arise or have already arisen, the possible and potential difficulties that we face at home and at work. Many of these things make us anxious even before they happen, and anticipating them makes us tense and stressed. But Lord Jesus, even now, take these anxieties and stresses from us as we lay them on our hands, hand them to you. Take these and instead, in place of them, pour your peace upon us. So that even now we may sense your peace upon us and know that you are sovereign God, that you watch over us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now we want to read the passage. It's Acts 11. And it's about Peter being called to Jerusalem and confronted over this the, his ministry to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey, and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I should stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance, that leads to life. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, 
preaching the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The three stories here. The first was the confrontation in Jerusalem. It was no small thing. Peter had, had done something that was so outrageous, so unacceptable to the Jews then. Doubtless it came from God. He was led by the Holy Spirit to do this, to not only eat or meet with Gentiles, but that he would baptize them, he would preach to them, he would see them receive the Holy Spirit. This was an un unthinkable offense. To Judaism. And so the resistance that came didn't look very much in these words. Circumcision party criticized him. But we can almost sense that not only the criticism but the sense of condemnation, that anger as they confronted Peter and said, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Here was going to be a rift in the church. Paul Peter had obeyed his Lord had obeyed the Holy Spirit, had done whatever the Holy Spirit had led him. But the circumcision party, they, these were Christians who were Jew, converted from Judaism. The circumcision party was very offended and angry and they attacked him. What would someone in Peter's position do? Peter could have put rank and said, well, I am the head. He could have fought them back and been angry. He could have reacted unreasonably to them. But we see here Peter explaining to them in a very peaceable way. And what he did was to tell what had happened. There will be many conflicts in church. There will be things that we do that are right and things that we do that are wrong. But the things that we do may be opposed by others. And it's this opposition, this criticism that flusters us, that make us very angry and make us react angrily as well. In the Proverbs, it is said that a soft answer turns away wrath. Peter did just that. Remember that Peter was a very impetuous man. He wanted to burn, he wanted to call down fire on the Gentiles and the Samaritans. He wanted to fight the soldiers who had come to arrest Jesus. Peter wasn't a calm man. He was often flustered. 
But here, filled with the Holy Spirit, something had changed in Peter's life. Instead of fighting back, instead of exchanging quarrels and shouting back at the circumcision party, Peter related exactly what had happened, trusting in the Lord that God would convince them. If God had convinced Peter, surely God would convince even the circumcision party. We need to learn this also. The times when we oppose greatly and the times when we greatly oppose others, other leaders, other pastors, others in the congregation. One of the things that we need to learn is that God is sovereign and that we can let the peace of Christ dwell in us. And when we understand this, then we can answer in the most reasonable, in quiet tones, explaining why we did what we did, listening to each other, believing that God who called us to do this work will either correct us in love or will then correct the other side also in love. It's a very important lesson in our church. Sometimes you're so afraid of conflict. We have memories of conflict in the past and we think immediately, oh no, the church is fighting again, the church is fighting again and then either we hide or we fight back and shout louder. None of this is really necessary because when we commit to the Lord the things that He has called us to do or things that we believe He has called us to do, then we can explain lovingly and patiently to one another and then allow God to correct us, God to correct the other side. Always that God will speak truth and sense and love to us. Let's not be afraid of conflict and disagreement. Conflict and disagreement help us to grow. But in such circumstances, let's reach out to each other patiently and in love. The next thing we want to look at then is that when Peter was explaining to the, to the other Jews, the circumcision party, what had happened to Cornelius. In verse 16, 15, he says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And then he says in verse 17, If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when he, we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When Peter said the same gift, what he meant was the gift of the Holy Spirit. But there was something else in the previous chapter, in chapter Acts 10, that upon receiving the Holy Spirit, they all spoke in tongues. Now it's one thing for them to speak in tongues in, um, at Pentecost, because at Pentecost, um, they needed to speak in various tongues so that people of different languages could understand. But in the case of Cornelius, there was no real reason they were not evangelizing, not spreading the gospel. They simply broke up in tongues, broke out in tongues. I'm not sure what those tongues were. Were they a different language that was used for a different purpose? Was that a prayer language? Was that some ecstasy, that aesthetic utterance that they were saying? Whatever it was, it was one of an evidence. It was an evidence to Peter that the Holy Spirit had come upon them. But that wasn't the only evidence. The other evidence was joy. They went rejoicing. 
rejoicing and praising God. Now, I'm not saying that tongues is an essential mark of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it certainly could be one. Paul says, I speak in tongues more, I pray in tongues more than any of you. And I've learned that speaking in tongues, not of a different language to help others understand, but praying in tongues helps me. See, one of my biggest struggles was that I was very articulate, especially in my early days. And so I, when people told me, when you speak in tongues, you express feelings that you cannot express in known language. And I scratched my head and said, what can't I express in a known language? I can say anything. I can speak depth. I can speak. I can find a word for everything to express myself. What do I need tongues for? It was only many, many years later that I realized that no matter how articulate we are, there came a point when there were deep feelings that I could not express except in utterances, in what we would call gibberish even, a prayer language as we cried out to God. I realized then that there were depths of sorrow, there were depths of joy, heights of joy that I could only express when I spoke in tongues. But you know, one of the things that convinced me that tongues was real happened in prison. You see, when I was a teenager, I'd seen a lot of people speak in tongues and as I looked at them, I figured they were fake because of all the theatrics. And I became very cynical about the gift of tongues or the speaking in tongues. Whenever I heard someone speak in tongues, I would look at them like, huh, you're just showing off. You're just making it up. But one day as I was in prison, my dear friend Dom, who was uh, on death row, approached me and said that he was speaking in tongues. And I asked him, well, Dom, has anyone, have you ever shared this with someone else, anyone else? And he said, yeah, I shared it with another counsellor. And I asked, what did the counsellor say? And he said, well, the counsellor told me to stop because it was from the devil. And then I paused and wondered and then I asked him, how do you feel? And he said, I feel great peace. I feel great joy. I felt like I loved God very much and God loved me. And I thought to myself, if this man was discouraged you see, often we are encouraged to speak in tongues so we can't really tell whether it's real or not. Everyone praises us when we speak in tongues and there, you got it. But here was a man who was told to stop speaking in tongues. But when he spoke in tongues, he said he couldn't control at that time, but as he spoke in tongues, he felt the love of God, the peace, he felt joy. He just felt very close to God. That actually convinced me that this was truly God's gift. It's a strange thing. But I began, I realized then, that speaking in tongues was one of the gifts of God and one of the marks. Not the only mark or not the essential mark either, but was a mark of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But what can be used, what else can be used to test? I think often it is repentance which happens very often, it is also a sense of joy. Joy when there may not even be a reason to rejoice. When suddenly floods of goodness and floods of love flow over us. These are marks 
of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We next turn to the church in Antioch. Well, so it was settled that the, even the circumcision party accepted that the Gentiles had been granted repentance by God, repentance that leads to life. Imagine that Peter softly explained to them and even the, his worst, biggest opponents accepted it and praised God for what God had done. But now we move on to Antioch. In Antioch, um, initially only the Jews were reached out to. But eventually some men from Cyprus and Cyrene spoke also to the Hellenists. These were the Greek Jews and began preaching of the Lord. And it says the hand of the Lord was upon them and great number believed. Now, of course, the elders, when they heard about it, you see, the Hellenist Jews were actually like backslidden Jews. They were not exactly pure Hebrew Jews. They were Jews who had embraced Greek culture, had embraced a lot of things that were Greek and Gentile. And so the pure Jews looked down on them. In fact, the pure Jews condemned them because these were mixed people. It's... It's far worse than bananas, you know, Chinese who can't speak Chinese and, and all that. These were Jews who had betrayed their culture and their religion. And the church in Jerusalem heard that they were turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now, there's something about Barnabas. The name Barnabas was mentioned in Acts chapter 4 as the son of encouragement. I don't know whether that was real, um, really um, the translation of the word Barnabas or whether it was a description of this man, Barnabas. But indeed, Barnabas was a man of encouragement. Remember when he first, um, when Peter was collecting property, proceeds of sales to distribute to the poor, Barnabas was one of the first to do that. He sold his land and he passed, placed it at the feet of Peter. Barnabas was always the first to give the benefit of a doubt, the first to support some, a leader, the first to bring people to one another. When Saul went to Jerusalem and the apostles were terrified of him, it was Barnabas who took Saul to the church, the apostles, and described to them what had happened in Damascus. And now once again as Barnabas saw what was happening to the Hellenists, that they were being filled with the Holy Spirit, instead of being cynical, he being a good man full of the Holy Spirit of faith, rejoiced and exhorted them and asked them all to remain faithful to the Lord. We need men and women like Barnabas's. And actually, we need to identify them in our church. Often when the church begins to make changes, when, we, when the Holy Spirit tells us to do something that may seem different to others, to, different from the conventional way of doing things, it is the Barnabases, they're not gullible, they're not just people who grab at any new theory, but they're people who would be interested to know the truth, interested to know what is happening and then give the benefit of a doubt. And when they do, they land the full support behind the people whom they have believed in. We need Barnabases. 
We need Barnabases to introduce Christians to the leadership. We need Barnabases to introduce new ideas from the leadership to the people. They are the ones who are good men and women, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And they are not the flaky kind either when they go put their weight behind someone or something. They give of themselves fully. They go all the way. Perhaps you are a Barnabas as well. Then recognize your role as such and use it to its fullest, finding people who need to be trusted, finding people who need validation, going behind your going with alongside your leaders and helping others to accept some of the ideas and decisions that your leaders have made. It is a wonderful gift to the church. And then finally, we read here that some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and spoke by the Spirit that there would be a great famine. What the disciples did then was to collect money according to what they could afford, what they were able to, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Here was help across borders. The people in Antioch heard that their brothers in Jerusalem were suffering from a, from a famine and they were concerned and they gathered money and they went to help. It's something for us as individuals to learn also. That when our brothers elsewhere, whether outside our church, in the church, our brothers and sisters in other countries go through hardship, we too can find ways of reaching out to them and generously and sacrificially to give to them. Let us pray. Father, once again, fill us with your Holy Spirit. That when your Holy Spirit comes to dwell with us, you give us peace. You teach us in difficult situations, in situations where there is conflict, to speak truthfully and lovingly, to be patient with one another, not to fear conflict, but to know that you are sovereign and you are in charge, and as we speak the truth in love, surely you make beautiful things happen. Father, we pray too that for each of us who feel stuck in prayer, that you also grant the gift of tongues that each one may be able to pray and express that which is deepest in our inner beings, the heights of joy, the depths of sorrow. And Father, even in our prayers, we may pray knowing that we are expressing our very depths, even when we do not understand the language. But grant, Lord, to those who ask that they may receive the gift of prayer, tongues, the ability to pray in tongues. Father, we pray also, we thank you also for the Barnabases in our midst. We pray that they too will come forth, that our church will be a church of welcome, our church will be a church that embraces many, because the Barnabases that you have given us are at work, bringing newcomers, bringing people who need help and support, and validation and affirmation, bringing them to the attention of the leaders, that we may welcome them as well. Father, we ask too that you give us generous hearts, 
not just passive but active. It's where we know of people who have needs to maybe go forth and give support one another. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks once again and have a very good day. God bless.